kidding. Alistair, for those of you that weren't here yesterday, is, is a very renowned speaker in his field. And he's bringing us stuff that he takes sometimes days to unpack, and he's going to give it to you in snippets and teasers of 30 and 40 minutes. So he's going to do that again for us today. I said it yesterday, I'll say it today. It's like drinking from a fire hose. I would put my notebooks away. You might catch the odd thought. We are taping it, I think. So, Alistair, when stuff needs to be edited, if you'll just say edit, then we will not, we will take that portion out like we did yesterday. But uh, all this material is available. Partnershipministries.com or .org, Alistair? .org. .org. So, partnershipministries.org is Alistair's ministry. And he's got tons of stuff that you can order and and workshops you can attend. So, Lord bless you, Alistair, as you teach. Some of you were asking about some of those uh, resources. We did not feel it was right to bring any here. That wasn't the objective. But uh, if you talk to Ray, he knows where my little black bag is, and there are some brochures in there that show what the resources are. Just a, um, a little extra Hollywood teaser before I begin. I know this is very bad communication with me being under a speaker. I'll, I'll try and do it like that. Uh, about 75% of our time right now as a ministry is spent in the marketplace. And we're on the cusp of something that's so beyond comprehension that it was fine to see you line up there and do that incredible march around. That is going to be tepid, anemic, anemic, Phil, in comparison to what's going to take place. I wanted, just, wanted to get a reaction out of you there. <laughs> We're on the verge of, of entire conglomerates uh, globally coming to Christ. Um, when I use the word uh, billions and trillions of dollars, actually, that, that is very minuscule in comparison to a conglomerate being used by God to bring an entire city to Christ. The, the, the culture of God, the kingdom culture, is beginning to flow out of corporations. But the question that needs to be raised is why has it not yet happened? Well, it's in the process of happening. It is actually in one case where my team and I have been working with a simple farmer. I say simple because you will never probably meet him. He is, as of a few weeks ago, now being sought after by uh, departments of agriculture around the world. When we showed him how to pray, over his land and how to change foundations, which is what today is all about, changing foundations. He was uh, doing quite well as a farmer, about 30 to 35 bushels an acre of average quality productivity. That skyrocketed within weeks of the prayer strategy to over 60 to 65 bushels an acre of the highest quality of different types of products. That also was the beginning of a significant change, that when tornadoes, and inclement weather comes to him. To this day, it stops at his 10,000 acres. We showed him how to stake his territory. I mean, literally, we can stake Hollywood with four stakes. Uh, if you haven't yet done it, it's, we'll show you how to do it. To stake any area for the canopy of the Lord is to produce the magnificence of a place that yields itself before the opinion of God and not to the opinion of humanity. When storms come and they stop at the four areas, understandably, other farmers said, well, we would like to have the same productivity. So they formed an apostolic farming committee, which to this day now continues to grow across Saskatchewan and Manitoba. 
Yes, they are both provinces in Canada, provinces that had gone down economically, but now there's significant change taking place. His productivity is now in 55 nations. He has now been winning awards for agricultural magnificence. It is beyond anything he's ever looked for, doesn't really want it. But now Islamic nations have started coming to him and saying, if you'll come and teach us how to do agriculture your way, because we like your ethics and morals, we would even, I guess, have to let you talk about Jesus. And then he has these clandestine gatherings in the Middle East countries where all these heads of state and all these people search him out. And then they come and he lays hands upon them. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They come to a knowledge of Christ. Only simply because of teaching one person how to change foundations, spiritual foundations. You can, in fact, shift nations with one company. If you belong to a company, a business organization, are you willing to be that company? Are you willing to work and walk in humility and holiness before anything else? Tonight I'll talk a little bit about bringing in the presence of Christ into an area. There is no other way. There is no other way. Phil's right in what he said. I'd only change one word in Phil's vocabulary. It's actually presence before any form of program of which process is part. Do you know not once in history, not even one time in history, has any community, has any revival ever gone into the essence of kingdom vocabulary through program? Only whenever programs cease will the presence of God come. End of story. If you don't like it, go and talk to the Bible. Go and talk to the guy who wrote the Bible. It's as simple as that. Now, I want to show you a couple of things. I'm hoping that the sound is working on this. If not, I'll put my, my microphone down. One of the things is we get so technologically full of ourselves, we then begin to depend upon our weapons, our tools, our laptops. Watch what happens. The day is very clearly coming when we're going to see the impossible and the improbable take place. So fast is the speed of divine acceleration today. Some people like to climb mountains. I like to build planes in the air. I grew up wanting to be on a plane, wanting to be up this high. Sometimes the temperature up at altitude will reach 60 below. It's crisp, it's refreshing. You never know what you're going to come across up there. Do you need mountains? Owls. These people back here, that's why I come to work. That's why I build airplanes in the sky. We're not just building a plane here. We're building a dream. 
and I see that little kid. I look in his eyes. That's all the thanks I need. Sometimes you'll see also the improbable take place. I mean, can you imagine, for example, uh, going skating in all places such as this? some of the things that are taking place. And one last one. We have to recognize because sometimes we do not get past that barrier, the one we want to penetrate, the one we want to get through. Note the sheep. They're the church. Note the cows. They're the world. Who is the sheepdog? Take a good look at them cows, lads. They live their happy, perspiration-free lives. But we've got character. Oh, we're miserable. Exactly. The very badge of honor worn by generations who passed on the pride of eking out a hot, sweaty, itchy existence. Who wants to give them a piece of our mind? Are you with me? Did you get that? Same time tomorrow. They're being goaded on. Now we want to go into this next area and see how it is we get beyond that impenetrable barrier. I'm going to call this Foundations Alive. Hollywood teaser number two. You know, sometimes when things look hopeless, just keep calm. It's like we're trying to lift a load that's really gone, ah, just weighing us down. But you know, not all is lost. Sometimes we're going to have to take occasional risks uh, but we have to do it with due diligence. We have to know what it is that God's calling us to do for a time such as this. In Exodus 3.5, we have these very famous 
well-known words when God confronts Moses. Moses meets God and God says, take off your sandals, take off your shoes. The place where you are standing is holy ground. Let me tell you what I'm going to end with. I'm going to end with this very same verse and I'm going to say, take off your shoes, take off your sandals. This place called Hollywood, where you are standing, is to be called holy ground. That's the end of this morning. If you get nothing, take that away. But what is this holy ground business all about? Well, you have to understand the way God thinks. He created the land. The land got lost because stewardship fell, which meant the curse came in the land. Sandals are made from leather. Leather comes from cows. Cows eat grass. Grass comes from land that's therefore defiled. And so God said, I want nothing coming between you and me, Moses. I'm going to do business with you. It's going to be the business called intimacy based on humility and holiness. It's very crucial to understand this because in many religions around the world, for we are so politically correct and honoring other religions, we're told to take off our shoes before we go into those holy places. That actually is our coming under the deification of that particular entity that we then are worshiping when we go into those holy places. Be very careful when we take off our shoes to acknowledge any man, any system, any religion. Because what there is, is our coming under the headship of that particular type of defilement. That's why we have to go back to intimacy and holiness. We're in a season right now of high-level adjustments. In Hebrews 10, we're told to hold on to our faith unswervingly. I thought about that one day. I thought, why do cars swerve? Well, why do they lose control? Maybe because of incorrect tire pressure, like having faulty foundations in our life. Maybe because wheels are out of alignment. Because maybe our relationships are out of alignment. That's why we need to be adjusting ourselves. Maybe because of worn tread. This is where there's the clash of wineskins. The old should be the mentors and the tutors of the new. And the new should want to be mentored and tutored. But they should be released by the old. Instead, they're still vying for whose who's right of access. Who should be in place. What about wrong tires? One summer, one winter in the front. If we have it where I live, you have a problem. That means we must understand the season of God. There is a new season. I'm going to be speaking Sunday morning on the new season of God that's come in in the last 12 months or so. Then if we hit the curb, well, if we hit the, the curb of each other's lives, you can create a trauma, a sin, a reaction. We can actually bring that in to our day-to-day living. An entire city can be actually full of trauma. An entire city can come under the authority the deification of somebody else's opinion. See, to be unswerving means to be in proper alignment, obviously with God and then with each other. When Job realigned with God, everything else fell into place. The first 41 chapters then made sense when you saw chapter 42. Hebrews 10:24 also says we're to spur one another on. Great word unless you're a horse. See, these are words that dig deep. Making us accelerate, change directions. It's a wake-up call, a time of adjustment. A plumb line time, like I'll refer to tonight, Amos 779. Establishing outward, inward integrity. When a company 
when a business works in the plumb line integrity of God, I tell you what, I will guarantee you from Scripture, I just showed this to other people this past weekend, you will draw clients, you will draw people unheard of before, which is what Cindy's probably finding just now. In fact, again, Father, we just ask that you give Cindy the right words, the right ideas, the right thoughts, the right intentions. Give her, Father, that sense of urgency, give her the purpose. But we pray for the person she's meeting with. That person will have an unheard of, previously unheard of hunger. And that person will know that what Cindy is sharing is something that's going to feed the spirit of people for many, many years to come. We're going to ask, Father, you have angels in that room, have a canopy of covering. We pray the plumb line of God in every single detail so that, Father, you are honored and glorified. God, cities, nations, Proverbs eleven fourteen. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Don't please ever take that verse out of context. The way you see it is the way it is. That's just the way it is. A nation can actually rise or fall depending on the attitude and the opinion and the words of the people who speak forth either the word of God or the word of humanity in that place. These are words that are positioned in the spirit realm that then feeds the physical realm. The physical realm then feeds the people who will live and work on that because they're constantly being fed by the spiritual realm. It's an ongoing issue until somebody comes and changes that into the leverage of righteousness. Proverbs 11:10 and 11. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Through the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Shout, the Lord's given you the city. It's in his DNA to give cities, to give communities, to give conglomerates into the hearts of his people. Listen, the Lord is calling to the city. Micah 6, 9, Ecclesiastes 9, 15. We don't have to be a card-carrying apostle or prophet in order to appropriate the wisdom of God. Because this poor man, wise in the eyes of God, but foolish in the, wise, in the eyes of the world, saved the city by wisdom. Hollywood's got a predetermined, God-given, God-inspired, God-intended, God-created destiny. May I say it slowly? Hollywood has a predetermined, God-given, God-inspired, God-intended, God-created destiny. If you ever thought communication was not part of God's original purpose, turn to Matthew 28 very quickly. God is a God of acclamation, God of proclamation, a God of insight, God of perspective. But the release is based on the people of the hour, stepping into their place of significance, rising up into the plumb line, the plumb line utterance that God wants them to declare so that they will move heaven and earth in accordance, in alignment with what God has declared for those people at this time. Did Jesus ever do that? Great question. Absolutely yes. Matthew 21.10. He stepped up to that moment. He stirred the city. He aligned himself with the Father's will. Then everything else began to fall into place. His teaching, his healing caused amazement. Yes, sometimes amazement's not necessarily hunky-dory stuff. Sometimes it's not all it is. But you're stirring up the issues. There's a lot being stirred this week, particularly through the worship that's taking place here. And don't worry about this being here and the venue being somewhere else. God is not worried about time and distance. He can connect anything he wants at any time when people stand up with the righteous motivation. Did Peter do this? Fantastic question that you ask. Yes, he did. Acts 9.35. He, in the name of Jesus, spoke out the words of alignment. He brought the paralyzed man 
topology of the community, topology of the city, topology of the church, into a place of active participation. Get up your mat and get out of here. But at the same time, two entire communities suddenly had their DNA turned back to God's original purpose. Lydda and certainly became 100% born again and transformed. One word is all it required for the church, Peter, to do the work of God. Alignment. Did Jonah do it? Yeah. Probably the greatest example in Scripture, 120,000 people turned back to God. But if you read the parallel examples, it wasn't just the people. It was the farmland. It was the cows. It was the pasture land. Every single system of life turned. Now, we know that later on, in fact, they turned back again. But that's for another time, another story. That's why we have to steward what God shows us. Our vision. Remember our vision in our alignment for any conglomerate is to open up the eyes of the people who live, dwell, work there. That's the purpose, turning them from the darkness to light. That's what Paul said to King Agrippa. And this particular mandate has never ended, never ceased. It will be part of our priority apparatus until the return of the Lord. Third, turn them from the power of Satan to God. Now that the church is even wondering if Satan is a reality, that, that worries me. Because this is the imperative. This is the nature. This is the clarion call of the hope that lies within us to take people out of the grasp of the enemy of, of the people of God so that they receive forgiveness and sanctification. Our simple task is take off the old, starting with ourselves and put on the new. Take off the old, the old memories, the old change, the old foundations, starting with ourselves, because you will shift that to this depending on how far you go. Most people don't know that transformation is pivotal in the individual. How can we pray for something we ourselves have not yet gone through? What about that little insignificant place called Porcum, Peru? Have you ever heard of it? Most people haven't, but to them, they're pretty significant. A community, it's a reasonable-sized community. Just a few thousand people. Now 98% of the people are born again. A couple of years ago, none of them were in Christ at all. Things were getting pretty miserable. They said, well, we better maybe ask whoever God is, have we done something to offend you? Jesus appears to them. Now there's no crime. Now there's no drunkenness. Now the animals produce in a miraculous way. Ovinas like llamas produce three times the amount of wool than they ever did. Cows produce six times the amount of milk than they ever did before. How do you put more how do you get more milk out of a cow? Shove more grass into it? Absolutely not. It's the change of fertility, the change of the atmosphere. It's the change of productivity because the community now lives and grows as one unit. Near Bella Horizonte, there's an area there where people have been praying for many, many years and they go into this place where God habitates with them. Do you know at night all the trees glow, all the leaves grow, the ground grows, the complete presence of God is like a, a light that comes in. You can read your Bible at night. The stars are there. There's no artificial lighting except the light of God. People I know of, I was speaking to the other day, they were taking leaves out of there to try and take them home. And the minute they left the area, the leaves lost the glow because you can't market God in the wrong sense of the word. If you start to market him for your purposes, watch out. You're aligning back to humanism again. In Fiji, why is it they've got a new coral reef there on the island where they did all that Dancing, the occultic dancing, uh, this whole kind of firewalk dancing is called. And they're walking in these hot coals. It was an occultic practice. 
and all their coral reef, their main commodity, had begun to deteriorate. After they repented, in one year they had a brand new coral reef. Marine biologists came to say, what is this? We've never seen anything like this before. You see, with God, nothing is impossible. He can restore, he can remake, he can rebuild when we fall in alignment with him. That's why the church, the people, the senate, the ecclesia, you and me, we are the mouthpiece of God. As the church, the word ecclesia means senate. It's a military word, a governmental military word. And God says, if you're willing to see what I'm going to show you in heaven and you declare it by processing what's going on on earth, removing the birds of prey, the weeds, the stony places, I will establish my authority in your area of reference, in your area of responsibility. That's why when the church, as the sign of God's kingdom, aligns with God on every single detail and does not rely upon the familiarity of the past, then we'll get the cutting edge moment of God's significance in everything that we do. In other words, you have to stand in the gap. Let's do that one again. I'm having to use the audio here. You see, standing in the gap is the Hebraic term of a law court metaphor. Put one hand in the head of God, one hand in the head of the problem. Bring the two together. Bring order into disorder. Start with yourself. To the degree we do this, you can actually change an entire city. To the degree we do this, you can actually change an entire city. To the degree... We do this, you can actually change an entire city, but you must go the whole way. Always in Scripture, just take them down quickly. I'll not unpack them because of time. These are samplets of the Bible where God says, Oh, if only you understood the promises I have for you. I have got so much for you to inherit. Genesis 15, 7, Numbers 13, 30, and so on. This is where I want you to understand that you are to possess What's been in my heart for you. That's why he said to Moses, take off your shoes. I want nothing getting between you and me. There is defilement on this land. And I'm going to show you how to, how to address defilement. I'm going to show you how to address defilement in governments. You see, it's interesting what I heard Murray saying a few moments ago. If you understand these principles that we're sharing with you today and yesterday. And what the worship's doing. And this whole element of the global, the local coming together. What you're actually going to see is you will have governance come to you. You will have people coming to you to ask for help. Now, not everybody is necessarily somebody you want to, as we say, carefully get into bed with. Because the soul tie partnership is for conglomerates, businesses, as well as the, the whole area of intimacy. And that's why every dollar has to be looked at very carefully before we invest. God wants us to inherit what he's got waiting for us. Deuteronomy 30, prosperity. That's far, far more than just money. We hadn't even got time to get into that yesterday, the issue of mammon that comes under Baalism. We're talking the wealth of the kingdom of God. If he creates, can he not recreate? Of course he can. See, when we're creating and looking at these brand new foundations, some of us have had a little bit of a hesitant start in some of that because we've had to learn the hard way, haven't we? Mm -hmm. What the issues are when we're plowing up the ground. And yet we are plowing ground, fertile ground that has to be brought into a place of relationship with God. Prosperity is understanding that God really does own all the cattle on the hills, even if the price of beef is going up. Deuteronomy 28, 13, we're to be the head, not the tail. Joshua 18, how long are you going to wait before you take possession? But there is responsibility. You have to remove and drive out and dispossess the land of anything that in any way is contradictory to my presence. 
to who I am as Yahweh. It's a promise with responsibility. That's why, you see, we have to see and listen and watch in the way that God calls us. I went out last night with three other people. What's that called where I was? Where would it? Okay, that's where I was. And it was very interesting being with two people who know it well and John and Rob and myself. And all we were simply doing was outlining how the physical architecture took on the shape of spiritual issues from years ago. Some had never seen the gargoyles before. And I was explaining what gargoyology is all about. And John began to see the spine right down that little narrow way. We saw how the dinosaurs and the little pointed tail, like a horned tail, even though it's a depiction of what modern art might be, often modern art depicts the spiritual issues. We saw the whole issue of why in the mountains there are sacrifices and why the Kalachakri ritual takes place in the water. And we began to show how different shops design according to the spiritual properties in the land. It was just a very simple on-site training that shows you the, the, the fight that goes on in the spirit realm for supremacy. That's why we have to see carefully before we act, or we might make some presumptuous mistakes. That's why when we see from a myopic perspective, we have to be sure that, as I had in my case, the cornea was too round. And I had to wear magnified glasses to see correctly. The light did not refract. But if we remove from the entire city, whatever it is that, see, that renders the city unable to see from God's perspective, you can have the same amount of light coming, but now they see. Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, if the God of the world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers from the knowledge of the glory of the gospel of Christ, ipso facto, is it not possible we can do whatever has to be done to, to change the shape of the corporate spiritual cornea? Of course it is. You see, you can actually nudge an entire city into a moment of insight and seeing God from an entirely different perspective. That actually has been happening more and more in North America. And the more we steward that, the more you will see cities collectively gaining a kingdom perspective rather than just simply zeroing in on problems. And then we become reactivists. If you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and you begin to see his beauty in whatever area our responsibility might involve. You begin to see the magnificence of the story of creation from the early moments right through to the resurrection to the coming again of Jesus. And why, as I did yesterday, showed you the signs of the times. Yesterday was a wake up call, a sense of agitation, a sense of divine adrenaline flowing through every part of our being because time is so short. 30 days you could see a move of God. So incredible. Hollywood would never be the same. California would never be the same because we're seeing this in other parts of the world. 90 days is highly probable. But as my friend George Orton says, 30 days is now very, very possible if sufficient people know how to trip the wire of change. You see, in Eden, there were different separations that took place. Man was separated from God. That's why our intimacy is so often interrupted. And we get the earthly type of intimacy instead. Humanity from, from creator. That's why our communication is so subject to disruption between God and us. Man from God. That's where the woman-man problem began. It's where the whole sexuality issue began. Did you know that? That's where all the issues began. The gender division began there. Generational division. Parents against kids. Man from destiny. Humanity committed to a life-death issue. That was never God's perspective. Man was separated from land. That's why now in the last several years, land's become such a key issue in understanding 
God's perspective of how to bring transformational revival. The land will change. That's because God created the land. But he was stewarding the land. He said, you've got to change it back to what I originally intended. Man was separated from God's canopy of protection. And we have allowed other sorts of canopies to cover us. Inadequate canopies. Man was separated from innocence and purity. Man was separated from God's covering. We entered into a thing called human culture. Still, God wants the best of our human cultures, but they all have to be subservient to to the culture of the kingdom of God. Just a few more there. Look at the bottom one. Man was separated from a marketplace ministry. That's why now there's such a move to regain the whole area of marketing, the whole area of industry, the labor of God, the labor of Jesus and the labor of man has always been one and the same. Did you know that? That's why now we're bringing, seeing God bringing reconciliation into all of those areas. How do you address what was lost in Eden? It's through addressing foundations. How to recognize them, how to address them, how to change them, how to redeem them. Redeeming what is lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. What was lost? All that we just talked about from Eden, our relationship with God, our knowledge of his ways, our intimacy with him, our relationship with each other and the generations, specifically marketplace relationships were lost. That's why taking one of many examples in scripture, Luke 19, when we insert ourselves as the catalysts of change with our gift sets into the fabric of society, What happens is out of that responsibility, investment, authority, and an expectation of return literally is released. And that's how God then begins to bring a jurisdiction over cities through his people who understand how to trip this wire of change. Societal transformation means just that. Every fabric of a living community changes to the opinion of God. That's why I say, can you imagine what it would be like where you've come to at this point in Hollywood from, say, five years ago is wonderful. But it's nothing in comparison to what it will be like. That's why I keep saying, what would it be like if the magnificence of God literally came in that door of Hollywood tonight? Every single doorway, every single house, every single business, every single studio, every single roadway. You know what? Because that's what God's doing. And that's what God always has wanted to do when we trip the wire of change. That's why the road to transformation starts in a solitary place. We have to want it for ourselves. And then when we've experienced it, we know what it can be like in the city. I live, I breathe transformational revival. When I go into a city, I look to see what's imperfect in the eyes of God. I look to see what's out of alignment. If I go to New Orleans, yeah, there's a lot of party going, but I know it's the opposite of the spirit of hospitality, which is what God wanted for that city in the first place. Hollywood, a magnificent institute city of extraordinary divine communication that in one second could announce the return of Christ to every single living person in the world. Very, very few commodities have got that, that potential within them. Can we see that in the road to transformation, intercession must be louder than the fear of man. We need to have a healthy fear of God permeate every single establishment so people will be drawn to seek you out and say, we know you have a word. We've run out of our own words. What's your word? But we must also recognize that that third one there, that we have to have a healthy motive for seeking his presence. Yes, 
He will certainly make life a little easier, but heavier responsibility. But he's not a puppet God. That's why we have to address all these things you see there, our worldview. Don't be distracted. Sometimes I get very distracted by other things that are good. And I need my team. I need my family. I need my board to keep me very focused. What about the whole area of unity? Is it uniformity? Is it collegial unity? Or is it a form of intimate unity that I alluded to the other day? A complete unity, as we find in John 17. The type that in the psalmist, Psalm 133, would say, Here I can command unity. I can command my presence. I can command the impossible to take place. Where's the impact in culture? That's a good question. Well, one of the reasons is that we're very full of ourselves. We've got so many programs. Or because we've disciplined ourselves to look different. People often say to me, you don't look like a clergyman. Well, what's one supposed to look like? Well, you certainly don't look like a Methodist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Anglican pastor. What's they supposed to look like? See, they have a wrong image of the kingdom of God. And so often there is this issue of deception. We, there's something lying within our midst, detailing itself. How about that standing room only? I foresee the day. That is an actual train full of people coming home from a, a trip on their, on, their, on their holy enterprise, Islamic. But I foresee the day. I really do. I've seen it in the vision that God's given to me. Where entire train loads, entire plane loads, people will seek out cities where the presence of God is found. And they will come like that. They will come and they will say, according to Zechariah, we've heard the Lord is with you. Can we come? Can we learn? Can we be taught? Can I put my hand on your garment? We might not want that, but that's exactly what they will want. So here are these five foundations I want to refer to today. God is addressing five foundation principles globally in the church. Number one, number one is be positioned. Never forget these, be positioned. You all know the story I'm going to assume of Ruth and Naomi. Incredible story of love and realignment, prophetic destiny being released. In those days, women who lost their husbands had no destiny. So one daughter-in-law goes off her way, but another daughter-in-law, Ruth, goes to her mom-in-law and says, okay, your God's my God, I'll go your way. They go towards Bethlehem at the end of chapter 1. Bethlehem is stirred. Bethlehem is stirred because two women are willing to be positioned and to stand in the place of significance. Have you ever thought about the importance of being positioned? Watch very closely. He just made it, didn't he? Got to be in the right place at the right time there, mate. Let's have another look at one of these, shall we? See what I mean about being positioned, being in the right place at the right time? And oh, this one I really enjoy. Uh, he's not going to try it anymore. Clever chap. Clever chap. By the time you get to chapter 3, suddenly Naomi's got it. She understands why Naomi's gleaning in the harvest field of Boaz. And she says in chapter 3, verse 3, Hey, you know what? Go and wash yourself. Get rid of the old. Make a decision. Let the old go. Don't pester yourself with it. Don't persecute yourself with it. Let go of all these old memories. Number 2. I want you to go and perfume yourself. 
Men might find that hard. It means from the Hebrew to arise up into your anointing. You don't want my anointing. You don't want anybody else's anointing. Get into your anointing. Get into your well. Get into the place of significance. Hollywood's got an anointing. Kelowna's got anointing. Even Calgary's got an anointing. I mean, we've all got a specific anointing that's so unique. The individual does. And then what I want you to do is go and put on your best clothes. Take off your widow's garment because right now you're gleaning in the field. Do a positional change. Put on the wedding garment of expectation and you will start to get ready for harvest. It's a, it's a volitional, emotional, positional change, folks. You can do that for a city. And what happens is then God will take you down to the threshing floor and you'll take the chaff out of the wheat. But that's where Boaz is. Okay, so then you know the rest of that story. Out of humility, she was postured. Out of availability, she was positioned. She got the provision that had been removed when her husband died. And then she entered into her possession. As a result of that, she became the great-grandmother of David and an ancestress of Jesus. Number one foundation, God is saying to his church, would you please be positioned and get ready? Number two, and this is so we can understand this issue of gates, by the way. Number two, we need to be aware of the times in which we live. So because those without power cannot protect freedom. You know, folks, we are captive in society to the one who's got authority in the spirit realm. And because of our fallen stewardship on earth, I showed that to you in the separation in Eden. But what God's doing through people like us, through this ecclesia, this ecclesia advocacy, he's helping us to penetrate doors of cities and gateways of nations. That's how you know the difference between the two. A doorway is for a city or a conglomerate and a gateway is for a nation. The two are distinctly different but quite similar. When we don't have power... We do not have authority to change what has to be changed. Because when Satan fell, he had power but no authority. We had authority or not, but we gave it to him. So by standing in the gap, we're gaining back in our area of influence, 2 Corinthians 10, both the authority and the power. Don't go beyond your parameters, though. That's why, for example, in the UK, at least in the Manchester and Essex, and I work more with Manchester, already there, the police now go to the intercessor saying, you know what, we can't find the baddies, we can't find the bomb cells, can't find the drugs, can't find this and that, would you help us? They pray with the police and they find them. So suddenly, the people now in that city are learning how to appropriate power and authority and release a new sort of freedom into society. Third foundation, the church must regain power centers. It must regain power gates and nations, not just know about them. Because when we lose that sort of authority, all of society ventures into what I call spiritual receivership, which is really what happened to Hollywood some years ago. Then the rest of society begins to erode. Part of that's because of what we call post-Constantinianism. The way we think, our worldview perspective, separating church from state. That was such a mistake. And I still hear that being taught today. But we haven't time to do any more of that right now. But when the prophetic mouthpiece of God invades every single doorway and every single gateway of every single area and territory, you will see the magnificence and the splendor and the glory of God come and permeate that place. Number four, Christians without power are unable to preach the gospel of the kingdom effectively. That's why we don't protect freedom. That's why now in Great Britain, 
I cannot easily stand up on the pulpit and say something negative to Islam and certainly not to homosexuality or I'll get a little visitation the next day. I went into the House of Commons at their request and they said, Alistair, we have lost our freedom because we allowed our godly foundations to be eroded and bought. Oh, you see, you can actually. You can actually understand the seriousness of this from God's perspective. Because when a society erodes into meaninglessness, look what John Gardner says. The society which scorns excellence in plumbing as a humble activity and tolerates shoddiness in philosophy because it's an exalted activity will have neither good plumbing nor good philosophy. Neither its pipes nor its theories will hold water. In other words, there's no significance left in what we talk about. However, good news, foundation principle number five, God is calling his church to reappropriate the power centers of society. This is our God-given task. It's not our being in any sense full of triumphalism or pride or arrogance. It's what we were called to do. This means the return of God-given stewardship. It's what we see happening globally with many templates of transformational revival. It's where we're speaking forth. People have to stop Look and listen. Lord, what do you say about this? If we like what we see, we open up the gates. We let that issue in. If we don't, we put the gates down. See, we've got to know that our community has got a spiritual fabric. Hollywood is very unique. Whatever goes on in that community will affect things politically, economically, ecologically, educationally, recreationally, morally, ethically, and spiritually. You've got to know that. That's just the way God's made things. So we've got to learn to see things from his perspective, like the four of us did last night on that road system. And we've got to know what the gifts are. I'll show you what my definition of Hollywood gifts are just in a few moments when I close. But we're always asking three questions. Never, ever stop asking these three questions. Number one, okay, this place is not in alignment with God. Huh, how come spiritual darkness seems to linger here? Number two, how is the enemy at work? Number three, What are we going to do about it? Notice number three is last, which in the West we like to make number one. We're going to deal with this problem. No, the problem has got a right to be there. Let's figure out why. How is he at work in this area? Then what do we do about it? And that's like going into the the room, a television studio, and figuring out what's going on behind the camera, what's going on behind the television set. Who are the enforcers? Who is the producer, director, director? Who is the... Who is the script writer? Who is the involved with the lighting and the technical department and the audio? Who's doing the switching? You see, God wants the church to go back into the place of operations. That's what was lost when I was converted in broadcasting. I had, as I mentioned the other day, a very, very, very physical visitation with God. I needed that as a broadcaster because my identity was caught up in who I was and what I did. And for many hours, the Lord ministered to me in a very private way, very personal way. Nobody knew I was a Christian. I went down to my studio the next day. I'd only been in the studio no more than 30 seconds, was going up the steps towards my particular studio booth. One of our top directors said, Hey, you! Get out of here! He'd been my friend for years. Get out of here! We don't want Christians in this place! I thought, what on earth was that? I was only a a four-hour-old Christian. And God spoke to my spirit. He said, You see, son? Now I can call you son. Already the change in your life has affected that person. Such is the change of culture in your life. They see you as a living letter and they don't like it. See, we're actually called to be influencers. We're called to be salt and light. People who change from within. Every city, therefore, has this shaping of the past. 
all these components. And God wants us to bring in the new foundations or polish off the old foundations or remove faulty foundations that should not be there. 1 Corinthians 3.11. That's what Paul taught us. A foundation is a rudimentary precept. Do you know you and I have got the authority, the right to do that? We've got the ability, we've got the insight, we've got that which is required to start right from the root of a city and take it through its entire life and address issues of traumas, packs, festivals, everything that's ever gone wrong. See, God himself knows the birth of any community, any business, any person, any city, right through to the current situation. And he's the one who tells us how we can correct what's gone wrong. We minister to our city. We minister to our community. And they say we minister to each other. But if I'm standing on defiled land, I'm going to have my kingdoms, my notions of human power, my ways of doing things corrupted. But if I can change the terrain around me, suddenly I've got a whole new feeding trough, a whole new point of reference. You minister to your city by addressing the spheres of authority, starting with ourselves. This is the measure of authority, the metron that's opposed to us. And that helps us to know where and how and why the enemy has got certain rights, certain strengths, certain weaknesses. And Lord, if you open my eyes and I can listen to what your counsel is, then suddenly I'll have my right of entrance into all of these doorways, every one of the doorways of a city that, that exists. Now, that's why we're seeing our transformational revival accelerate exponentially. Taking off the old, putting on the new. That's why, according to land, We've got to know that the land that we stand on, that we work on, that we build our studios on, that we worship on, the land contains the product of blessing and curse. New for many people, not new to God. And you see, if the issues of the past have a spiritual cause and effect that never end until they're adjusted or addressed by the people of today. That's why the product is always subject to robbery in our businesses, our churches, our homes, our studios, until the original feeding trough that brought the malaise is addressed. That's what can turn the entire organization back into the knowledge of who God is. That's why I mean land represents God's opinion of things. And that's why we can see all sorts of different root systems here. Lies, idolatry, theft, bloodshed, Bad foundations. John the Baptist says, get rid of them. Jeremiah says, uproot them. Get rid of them. Remove them. Even in a business like this, there's all your, your people involved in the operation, including the clients, and there's all the terrain at land level. Until these issues are addressed, they'll affect the people there, and they'll keep on affecting what goes on here. It looks a little bit messy, but in fact, it's so straightforward. You change all this, these people all change accordingly because they then start dealing with their issues as well. So what we're doing is you have the land issue here. You've got the spiritual area here, which is composed of all sorts of things going on in the spirit realm that Murray showed you the other day on those circles. This is what we might refer to as first, second, third heaven. But in the second and third heaven, second heaven, sorry, this is what's going on. And God wants us to draw from his throne to in order to remove those issues so that these issues are addressed to the degree that we do the necessary due diligence in our own lives, in our relationships, and our areas of office and studio and work and church. You deal with this, you'll always deal with that. It's like going to a spiritual dentist, in a sense, getting rid of the decay. And then you're bringing in the new foundations, and you begin to change the fruit. The life begins to change slowly but surely. And you, like Murray's been saying, 
The people are testifying. There's be corrected. There's a new sense of atmosphere, a new sense of purpose, new sense of excitement that's going on. And we call it healing the land. The word rapa means like a, it's a physician's word to heal, mend, repair, to make whole. You can do that on the land. And all the institutions on the land begin to change according to the land itself. So where there's been heaviness and weight and bondage, suddenly there's a sense of, hey, there's a liberation. There's something new come to town. There's a sense of purpose. There's a sense of excitement. And the blessings of obedience that come ecological, economic, personal security, civil, international security, honor and growth, innovation, creativity. Right out of one book alone, Leviticus 26, and it's repeated many times, these are what we see in all our transformational templates. Can you imagine what would that be like in Hollywood? What's it like in nations? Well, England is called to be the majesty of God. USA is called to release the authority of the believer. Israel, I am that I am. Germany, the excellence of God. France, the love of God. Japan, spiritual warfare. Canada, healing, reconciliation, destiny of nations. Singapore, the industry of God. Malaysia, the mosaic of God's people. Ukraine, the hospitality of God. Every nation has got a major redemptive gifting. So do the colors of people. Black, the long-suffering of God, the power of worship. Hispanics, the family of God. Whites, the authority of God. First Nations, Holy Spirit's authority, land stewardship. Muslims, the fear of the Lord. India, extraordinary apologists are coming to Christ even at this time. In the Asian part of the world, tenacity, aggressiveness of God. The Caribbean, the rest, the refreshment of God. What about denominations? Again, each denomination is brought into its redemptive calling. Baptist salvation. These guys there, Methodists, Presbyterians, social issues, the compassion of God, Pentecostals, the Holy Spirit, Nazarenes, holiness, Roman Catholics, fear of God, Anglicans, bless their pointed heads, they teach in the balance of the word of God and liturgy, Mennonites, reconciliation, Lutherans, good doctrine, charismatics, the fire of God. And why am I saying this? Because in a place like Hollywood, in a place wherever you and I come from, those are the ingredients that God will release. But... Be prepared to take off your sandals, your shoes. The place where you're standing, Hollywood, is called to be holy ground. Why do I see Hollywood as being? Okay, this is no way to replace, diminish, or change what the, the people of Hollywood, those of you involved in the prayer purposes, already have determined. But let me say this from a researcher's point of view, from a historian's point of view, and from somebody who loves revival. This is what I have already seen. You're called to be a city of refuge. You're called to be a tool of communication and removing distortion. You're called to redeem arts and culture, have all the Tobias removed. You're called to be a template of kingdom culture, the beauty and magnificence of God's creativity being literally released globally. You're called to reveal the drama of God. Oh, I love that. I thought about this this morning, and God, could, I just couldn't get rid of this. Son, I want Hollywood to understand the drama of God. And what you've seen in these last two days, two days, with, particularly with Promenade and other groups, this is just the beginning, and things will speed up before I return. My drama. I'm a creative God. I understand theater. I'm the one who developed theater. And there's a theater on right now between the heaven and the earth. And you're caught in the middle. And I want you to understand you get keys that will, lo that will literally unlock destinies. 
the drama of God. And also Hollywood's called to reveal the splendor of God, the resourcing of God, the magnificence of God. Fulfilling Matthew 28, the Great Commission, you probably, more than anybody else in the world, have got the capacity to fulfill the Great Commission at a level and a depth with a richness and an understanding that goes beyond human comprehension. Aha, the play is the thing wherein we'll catch our conscience for the king, which means the king will become foremost in everything we do think, say persuasively. And that is the play that will be sent to all parts of the world. And finally, Hollywood, Matthew 4.21, Ephesians 4.12.13, you're called for catartismos moments. You are called for the knitting together of those who have their own particular ways of casting out their nets. And when Jesus met the disciples and when Paul talks about the government of the church, the word that's used is katartismos. It means to bring the net together. It means to remove the weak parts. It means to mend and mold and mobilize so that when finally the net is cast out, look, all nations, all people, all ethnos, all cities, all giftings are called in for the great catch. And you will find the magnificence of God come to, come to pass in Hollywood where the river of life will flow with joy and provision. Father, this has been fast, but we're so grateful that you've called us to be stewards of the land. You've, we're so grateful that you tell us to take off our shoes. We're standing on holy ground. We don't want anything separating us from you. Father, we want to be people of the hour who stand in that place of intimacy with you. We want to see the presence of the Lord pulsate with divine vigor right where we are, in the middle of our place of significance. Oh, Father, may we, even with trembling, walk around Hollywood today and tomorrow. Walk around this film festival today and tomorrow. May we understand, Father, these are extraordinary days. This is not a magic formula, Father. Forgive us if we think it is. But when we go in blessing and anointing and praying of the opposite spirit, we will see the incredibility of your gifting come forth in this extraordinary society which could literally change the world. Father, already there are people here today who you've touched for a time like this. But, Father, may there be a corporate lens change. May there be a cornea change in, Hor in Hollywood. May there be light literally flooding in through all the doorways of Hollywood. So the Father, the corporate eyesight and insight and foresight and perspective will be given to the people of Hollywood, to producers, directors, film writers, and they will see for a time such as this they are called literally to change the format and the play and the end of the story in this global arena to literally parallel what you have determined to be the Alpha and the Omega because you're coming back. And Father, we will choose to align ourselves and to adjust ourselves to be in that place with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.